Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for that amazing, wonderful truth wrapped up in that, that you came to save in the person of Jesus. So we pray that through him we will hear your voice, your touch on our lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is obviously the second Sunday in Lent, and we're looking at that famous encounter, as many churches do on this day, between Jesus and Nicodemus, uh, which probably includes, as I said earlier on, that best-known Bible verse of all. If, if we had to say what's, do, do a little survey of what's the best-known verse in the Bible, it would probably be John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we're in John chapter 3, and we're starting with verse 1. What does verse 1 tell us? Well, it tells us that uh, Nicodemus was a bigwig in the uh, Jewish ruling council. Uh, in the religious establishment of the day. Uh, we're on page 1230 and on to 12 over the page on to 1231. So do have your Bibles open at that point. And as I work through this passage, I want to look today at three things. Uh, I did uh, get out my little notebook and start playing around trying to make them begin with the same letter, but I decided that would be way too contrived and uh, so there's just three things but uh, I want to tell you in advance about what those three things are so you'll know where we're going the first point is about Nicodemus coming to Jesus and it prompts me to wonder and I want to ask you actually uh, how do you approach Jesus the second point is about uh, how Jesus calls Nicodemus and of course us um, to, he calls us to dig deep and look beyond how things appear on the surface and so what it could be uh, at a deeper level. Uh, even the kids know full well there's no way they could crawl back into their mummy's tummy and be born again. Being born again is something deeper than that. And the third thing is that Jesus uh, has the answer. Indeed, Jesus is the answer to life's deepest questions and he's the answer to our greatest needs. So that's where we're going, we're saved, we're rescued by him, uh, whatever uh, mess we get ourselves into. Anyway, first let's look at Nicodemus coming to Jesus. He comes, verse, tell, verse 1 tells us he's a bigwig in the establishment, and that kind of explains verse 2. He comes to Jesus at night, so people wouldn't see him. Uh, yeah, he, he's a bit, bit nervous about what, what his emerging faith. Later, of course, in John 18, he blows his cover, and uh, with, along with Joseph of Arimathea, after Jesus has died on the cross, then they're the two who get hold of Jesus and give him a decent burial. But for now, Nicodemus isn't there, isn't out in the open. He comes at night because he's probably worried about what people would think of him. 
Nicodemus approaches Jesus first with some respectful words, and because he's, he's realised from the things that Jesus is doing uh, that uh, those are a sign that God's at work in him and through him. So he's realised a bit, but he shows some. Look at verse, his questions in verses ooh, four and nine. Uh, he asks first of all. How can a man be born when he's old? And ask the question about when whether he gets back inside his mom's tummy, and so on. And then later on, he asks uh, when Jesus says about it's about being born of the Spirit. And uh, uh, he says he asks another question. He says, "How can this be?" And Jesus says to him, "Well, you're supposed to be a teacher, and yet you don't know this really important thing." Anyway, uh, so so. Nicodemus has, has got it a little bit, but he's not got it in the ways that matter most. Uh, especially that's shown up by this conversation with Jesus about being born again. Nicodemus was confused, and that was okay. That's how he came to Jesus. Jesus was very happy to speak into Nicodemus's confusion. So maybe, maybe you feel that you've got questions and you're, you feel confused. Well, whatever they might be, Jesus is very happy to speak into that context. I wonder, this is, I, I have a question in mind, and it's this. How do you approach Jesus? Maybe not like Nicodemus, you are confused. Maybe like Nicodemus. You have questions. Maybe, like Nicodemus, you're worried about what people around are going to think. Maybe, like Nicodemus, you struggle to look sometimes beyond Jesus' literal words and uh, think more deeply, more deeply than the uh, things around you that you can clearly see. When you think about it, Jesus saying to Nicodemus, you must be born again, was... A strange phrase. Uh, It's not surprising. I think that Nicodemus was confused by this. Incidentally, remember that it's Jesus who uses that phrase, born again, to describe uh, Christians. For some it happens quickly. I suppose you could, to stretch the analogy, you could say that's a quick labour. But for many, and the mums will heartily agree with me, sometimes labour is quite extended uh, and for many, uh, being born again is uh, not an easy process either. Anyway, but remember that it's Jesus who uses the phrase. It's not... Um, it, we didn't first come across this become some televangelists use it. Jesus used the phrase, born again. There are good reasons why Nicodemus would be confused. Um, uh, and uh, he ca- so, so he, it's not surprising that he has big questions. One of the things in the Lost for Words course about sharing faith naturally that we're doing on Thursday evenings at the moment, uh, one of the things about that is that each week in our second half, we're looking at one big question. One of the big questions, we, we were looking this last week at uh, the question of suffering, and we're, we're going to look at a particularly big issue each week. Many of us have big questions uh, that we wrestle with and questions for God and Jesus uh, prompts Nicodemus to do 
exactly what my second point is. And it's to treat, well, it's to dig deep, dig deeper into what Jesus is saying. Jesus prompts Nicodemus to think what it means when he says, born of the Spirit. Not to limit himself to the things of the flesh, but to go further, go deeper. When handling the Bible, the truth is sometimes obvious and hits us between the eyes, but sometimes we need to dig for it. And that's, what's go- that's what you can see going on in this picture. Incidentally, this, this, the Bible here is quite a pristine-looking one, and the person's obviously just beginning to dig into Scripture. By contrast, uh, I, I'm quite pleased, actually, that mine is a bit dog-eared, because uh, I've been doing a bit of digging, and uh, you, all of us know from, if we got, begin getting something clean, muddy, then uh, it, it soon starts to show the evidence. The great thing is that the Bible invites us to dig deeper. It contains some things that appear strange in isolation, uh, but uh, they do make sense when we look sometimes at, at what comes before and what comes afterwards. Uh, if you were here in, in February, you'll have no, noticed then we had a really good example of that, a verse uh, we were looking at in our series on stewardship. We were looking at uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and uh, there, was, there was one verse that seems a bit out of kilter uh, with the others, one about sowing generously and reaping generously. But it was when we looked before it and what after it that it kind of makes sense uh, what, it, what, it, what uh, God is saying through it. The Bible is a wonderful book. The, Bi- the writer to the Hebrew says it's alive. And uh, he says not only that it's alive, he says it's sharper than a sword. And that's exactly right. That's, that was my own experience, as you, many of you know. Uh, it's important for us to dig deep into God's words. Mine it for truth, because the truth is there. Our first reading today was from Psalm 121, and uh, it teaches the importance of looking beyond how things appear. It starts with a question. I lift up my eyes to the hills and ask, where does my help come from? Verse 2 is the answer. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So we look and see the hills. We have to look beyond them uh, to find the God who made them. I wonder if this is what Jesus had in mind when he said to Nicodemus, verse 12, and if I fade the eyesight and get there, here we go. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So Jesus is wanting Nicodemus to go a little bit beyond what's right in front of him and to think more deeply. One of the many things I love about the the Keswick Convention that uh, most of you know that uh, I go to uh, with the family most summers um, is that whenever we walk down a street, uh, any of you who know Keswick well will will know this, you, you can't help actually lifting up your eyes to the hills and mountains around. They're, they're right there. 
and they're kind of in your face and that, and that begs a few questions. The hills and the mountains are wonderful, but even more wonderful, looking beyond that, is the God who made them. That's what Jesus is trying to say to Nicodemus. So my third point is that Nicodemus has questions and Jesus has answers to Nicodemus' questions. Indeed, as I said earlier on, then Jesus is the answer to many of life's deepest questions. We see that in that well-known verse that I read earlier on, for God so loved the world, and so on. The starting point is that God so loved the world. That was the start. If you ever feel unloved, just remind yourself, that's how much God loves you. Uh, The cross, uh, for God so loved the world that he sent his own son Jesus, and so on. The very next verse, actually our last verse today, uh, spells this out. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To save the world through him. He didn't come to condemn the world, even if we deserve it. uh, But he came to save the world. That's amazing good news. So Jesus brings salvation. And the rescue for us who are lost and helpless without him. The picture on the screen of course, it has the word salvation, but right at the middle of it, it has the cross. Uh, if you're thinking about uh, one of the things in, in our evening service today, the well, we'll be thinking about the cross and why that's so central in uh, Christianity. So that's the well at the Good Shepherd, and uh, we'll be unpacking the power of the cross right there, and uh, that's why... Many of you know I have a a cross always in my pocket. So um, when I'm leaning around looking sort of slovenly like this, it's usually that I've got my hand on the cross. It's a reminder that that is central. I'm clinging to God and I want him to cling to me. Incidentally, if you want to find out a bit more about the cross, then do join us for the well at the Good Shepherd at 6 o'clock. You'll be very welcome. But for this morning, I want to end by uh, putting our three points together. So there, here we go. In whatever way you approach Jesus, remember Nicodemus was confused. He came at night and he had questions and so on. In whatever way you approach Jesus, dig deep. Jesus encourages Nicodemus to look beyond what he can see and dig deep. And then find salvation in him Uh, many of us go around I have conversations sometimes that show that people really are looking uh, but finding is what the Christian faith is all about maybe you come to Jesus in different ways maybe you do it stealthily like Nicodemus maybe you do it slowly maybe you do it quite suddenly Maybe you do it with questions and confusion. Again, all of those things, as I've said, are like 
Nicodemus. However you approach Jesus, I hope when you do, you'll find more than a carpenter from Galilee who taught a few things. Dig deep and find the real Jesus. Jesus, who's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus, who has the fullness of God dwelling in him. This is the Jesus who comes not to condemn us, but to save us. Surely, as well, we live in Paul, obviously, the place where the RNRI are based, but surely as any lifeboat plucks uh, a a desperately trapped person from a sinking ship in a raging sea and so on, surely as that, then Jesus rescued us, rescues us from the, uh, when we're lost in a sea, a sea of sin, sea of questions, sin of death, and so on. So let's invite him in and uh, turn to him in prayer. Lord, we thank you that uh, you don't condemn us. Thank you that you love us so much that you come for us. That is such amazing good news. Many of us feel lost. All of us, without you, are lost. We're sorry for the things that are symptoms of that lostness. We pray, please, that you will step in. And as in time, then Nicodemus realized who you are and eventually blew his cover. May that be true for all of us. May we find who you are. May we find salvation in you. May we blow our cover. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I invite you please to stand? And for those of us who are Christians, well, affirm our faith. These are words from, uh, basically slightly rearranged, but from Philippians 2, uh, talking about, about Jesus. So let's affirm our faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Though he was divine, he did not cling to equality with God, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a slave, he was born in human likeness. He humbled himself and was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has raised him on high and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue claim that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You have a seat, and Carol's going to lead us in our prayers.